Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Trisha Friedman. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. On today, I'm overjoyed to bring you a conversation with one of my all-time favorite writers. They happen to have a new book on the way for us to enjoy. We'll get into that in just a moment. But first, I want to remind you that we are just days away now from the nonprofit organization Pride and Less Prejudice. They are hosting a really important virtual event as part of Banned Books Week. So please head over to the show notes, check out ways to learn more about supporting the nonprofit organization Pride and Less Prejudice. If you haven't yet subscribed to their newsletter, that's a fantastic way to keep up with all of the offerings that they have on for educators. Now on with this episode's conversation, I am so, so excited to bring you some insight from the one and only Kaysen Calendar. Welcome and thank you so much for joining the podcast. Kaysen, you've published award-winning books for middle grade, YA, and adult audiences. You've won numerous awards. Um, I, I think it might be fair to say that all of your books have been a success at least as far as this fan is concerned. You have more books coming for your readers, and that's where we'll start off. The protagonist of your latest, Lark and Kasim, Start a Revolution, also happens to be a writer like you. Can you tell us a bit about the process behind this book and how it might be similar to the process that you went through with earlier books, or if over the years you've noticed that your process has changed? Yeah, I think that my um, process has changed from book to book, and it's probably going to continue to. Lark and Kasim, um, Star Revolution, was definitely unique in that for that process, I actually started um, with a pretty different concept, even though the plot ended up being um, pretty much exactly the same. So originally Lark and Kasim, I really wanted to write it set during the year 2020. So the first chapter has Lark walking into the kitchen and there's a radio plane that happens to mention a mysterious illness. And I wanted the book to kind of follow the trajectory of the year. But as I was writing it, um, I realized that the story was becoming so much more about the year 2020 than it was about Lark and their story arc. So um, I switched it from being exactly in the year to being outside of that. And that gave a lot more freedom for the characters to interact, especially during like quarantine times. So basically, the even though the plot stayed exactly the same, um, a lot of scenes were very uh, there was more opportunity for the scenes to become more expansive. Oh, that's that's very interesting. And I, I appreciate that, that it's in a way, you know, we are still in a pandemic. But, um, you know, I, I would think also young folks reading this, our friendships, our relationships also, you know, go on with this, you know, sort of in the background, sometimes maybe more in the foreground. Um, Kaysen, last year in the Library of Congress National Book Festival, you spoke about how fear can be a barrier to connection and what you shared in that interview about both your personal relationship with fear as well as your characters' experiences with fear is, is very powerful. Uh, listeners, I will be sure to link that over there in the show notes. For this more recent book, would you be able to point to an emotion that you feel is at the heart of this text? Yeah, I think that fear again comes up a lot for um, for Lark and for myself. For Lark's story was very much kind of mirroring my own story of 
um, realization that I'm worthy of love, but what does that actually look like? So um, in a lot of ways, Larkin Kasim was a response to Felix Ever After, where that book was kind of like the spark of realization of, oh, I am worthy of love, regardless of what others in the world say, but um, Lark real has that realization, but they have to kind of come to terms with, well, what does that actually look like in a world where I make mistakes, for example, in a world where other people are going to disagree and say I'm not worthy of love because um, of X, Y, and Z. So for me, it was a examination of what that fear looks like, especially when it comes to, especially when it comes to accountability um, and realizing that even if you do make mistakes, you're worthy of love because you're because everyone is a learning, growing human being. I really, really appreciate you sharing that with us. I think sometimes the concept of self-compassion or self-love, um, it's difficult even for me as an adult to unpack. So the idea that you are sharing this book and emphasizing those concepts with young learners is so important. Kaysen, on the Oprah Daily blog, you reflected back in 2021 that, quote, in my middle grade novel, King and the Dragonflies, the main character King decides that he doesn't want to come out to everyone, either only to the people he trusts and feels safe with the most. While writing King's story, I wondered why there's an expectation that people will eventually come out. I'm not knocking anyone who chooses to come out and celebrates that they've shared their identity. Of course, after long, hard-won history of fighting for LGBTQIA plus rights, and with so much more work to be done, this is a valid choice too. But does the expectation mold another narrative that's potentially harmful? End quote. I think that's a really important question, and that had me wondering if while you were working on Lark and Kasim, there were other questions that you found yourself coming to, coming to through that process of writing. Yes, I think that the main question for me was um, there. There were I had I had a lot of questions surrounding the topic of accountability and what is the difference between shame and accountability. Um, I think especially online, where people who are asked to take accountability tend to have a knee-jerk reaction of "you are shaming me," "you are bullying me." Um, and that can often take away from the conversation that is important of asking um, from the first place, like you made this harmful mistake, please take accountability and please um, try to do what you can to minimize harm. That I feel like the you're shaming me conversation takes away from what is actually important there. Um, and that is something that people need to be more aware of. And, and I don't want to say but because I feel like it's such a nuanced conversation. And there is the layer where Lark, for example, within the book is experiencing um, the question of, you're asking me to take accountability, but accountability for what? And I feel like maybe that is where there is sometimes like a nuanced gray, um, sometimes not so pretty uh, situation online where people tend to sometimes uh, take the language of accountability and turn it into something that feels easier for them to what actually might be in fact shame others. Um, and it's so hard to discuss this without giving like specific examples because I do wanna make it so incredibly clear that there is, that if there is someone who has made a harmful mistake, they must take accountability. I feel like 
a very gray and nuanced discussion I tried to handle as carefully as possible as I could in Larkin Cuisine. And I, I would say, you know, as, as a reader, I feel like you really do tend to lean into those things that are complicated and ask us as readers to be more curious about them, which I find really powerful. So thank you for that. I don't know if that's your intention or not, but that's been my experience as, as a reader. Um, Larkin Kasim will be available in stores on September 27th. Of course, it's available for pre-order right now. And of course, right now, folks, reach out to your librarians and let them know. Make sure to stock up on it because uh, it's going to be in high demand, I would bet. In an interview from Bustle, you are quoted as saying, Lark is the first time where I've put in every single one of my identities, the Black, queer, non-binary, and uh, neurodivergent person, end quote. Your new book engages with social media, and I'm wondering if you might talk about your experience with social media and perhaps how those experiences have led up to this first for you as an author. I know in the past you've talked about um, the need to kind of step back from social media. Um, and you know, I, I appreciate you talking about that because I just think an ongoing theme of this podcast is questioning what is our relationship with social media? Is it what we want it to be? But of course, for you as a public figure, as a famous author, there's layers to it that I can't even begin to imagine. Social media has definitely been a very complicated um, issue for me because I do feel like sometimes uh, as a quote unquote public figure, we're kind of expected to be on social media to promote our work and to promote, promote ourselves. Um, but I have like complicated feelings about that because oftentimes I've found that the more marginalized a creator is, the more expectation there is sometimes for them to be on social media. When in fact, like the publishing industry does have the power to promote whoever it is that they really want to. And oftentimes from what I see, and it's possible that not everyone um, sees this, but from what I see, uh, white cis straight creators don't necessarily have to put their entire life and being into social media to promote their work because they're getting that work already promoted by the publisher. So there is kind of like that feeling of, eh, I really shouldn't have to do this to the same level that people are expecting me to um, with kind of like this nuanced double standard of me being a marginalized creator and needing to do this. And I also just don't even really want to. Um, I've had to find like my comfort levels of how of what I would like to be doing. So right now on Twitter, I'm happy to be liking and retweeting um, people who tag me in posts. Um, it's really nice to see when people have something kind to say about my work. But um, before that, I had been really like online, um, sharing a lot about myself, sharing a lot about my process in a way that felt um, that just didn't feel as healthy for uh, my own mental health and capacity. So um, I'm happy that I was able to figure out that I need to place my own boundaries and actually stick to them for my own sake. And, uh, you know, again, I appreciate in the book that Lark as a writer is putting so much pressure on their following. Um, and, you know, I wonder if that experience perhaps no longer resonates with you, but you know, again, just the pressure to exist or coexist online and then quote, you know, 
in real life at the same time is quite a bit to juggle with. And your portrayal of that through the character Lark, I found to be just really, really um, kind of an interesting other avenue to be thinking about with this book. Um, Lastly, I was hoping we could talk about the journey Lark is on in your book towards self-love, self-compassion. Early on in the book, there is a really beautiful passage about, um, quote, hard to define friends. And it strikes me that when we think critically about our relationships with others, we also can maybe, I don't know, maybe better access, um, you know, reflecting on the ways that we reflect with ourselves. Is there any parallel there with how your relationship with your readers and critics helps you think closely about your relationship with your author self? Absolutely. Um, I think that as an author, yes, I do think that my relationship as an author is affected by um, readers and by critics, it's kind, of, it's kind of a journey I'm right in the middle of. I'm smack dab in the middle of right now because Larkin Kasim was actually um, almost like a metaphor to myself and a symbol of my, to myself of giving myself permission to write whatever it is that I want, however I want, um, and realizing that no matter, you know, Lark goes through the same thing as a writer. They have to realize that no matter what it is that they do, they are black, queer, non-binary, neurodivergent, they're not going to be able to please every reader. And in fact, on top of that, they're going to be, they're going to face a lot of discrimination as a writer. And that's something that I myself have been having to come to terms with, with, where as a writer for so long, I was really um, trying to figure out, like, how do I hit all the boxes? How do I make people just like love this book, no matter what, no matter the uh, the fact that even if they are prejudiced, they just can't help but love it. Um, I realized it's impossible. And on top of that, the attempt to try to um, really people please is what I realized this, you know, Lark themselves is also a healing people pleaser, um, realizing that I'm really trying to people please and um, please everyone else but myself as a writer um, was also a block to my creativity. So um, Lark and Kasim is an important book to me as a permission slip to really write whatever it is that I want to write and to let the creativity flow. That's I mean, congratulations. That's amazing. I'm sure in many ways, many artists want to be thinking, you know, this isn't for the critics, this isn't necessarily for the masses, but this is for me. And I wonder when you first started writing in fan fiction, is that what it felt like for you then? Or again, is this something that you've you've had to go through years and years of, of this process and this evolution to get there? I love that question because the first fanfic I ever wrote um, was when I was maybe like 10 or 11. It was for the millennial group. It was Cardcaptor Sakura um, meets the king and I. Do not ask. (laughs) Do not ask how that's even possible. But um, I just remember like how much fun it was to put my story out into the world. It was the first time I had posted a story up for strangers to read. Um, and the joy I felt in receiving like feedback. And it, it wasn't yet at that space of, I need to figure out um, what to write and how to write it in order to get as many like likes literally as possible. Um, and even then as a child, it took like maybe one or two fanfics in before that suddenly started to shift. And I, I feel like I just haven't felt that same freedom 
as my first fanfic of Cardcaptor Sakura meets the King and I. And maybe my journey is to find my way back to that original freedom. That's a beautiful note for us to wrap up on. Kaysen, I am just so humbled to host you on the podcast. I look forward to following you in that journey. Um, and again, you know, every book that you have published has been a joy of an experience as a reader. So I know that I am not alone in, in feeling that way. So thank you so much for the work that you have published for the way in which that I do think you are really shifting the publishing industry. Um, and I, I just, I, I, I enjoy your work period, but I also think of all of the young authors who you are inspiring. Um, and I just have so much gratitude that you exist and that your literature exists in this world. So thank you again so much. Wow, thank you so much. That, that definitely means a lot. Listeners, as always, thank you for your generosity in giving up some of your time to join this conversation. You can head over to the show notes to learn all about ways to connect with Case and Calendar and how to find their latest book. It always helps when you rate and review the show. So while you are in your podcast app, I'd really appreciate it if you could do so. See you next Thursday.